Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I'm your host, Louise Sullison. With me, as always, is my very, very talented friend who sometimes just flies by the seat of her pants. She's the mixtress DC, Gina. Hi, Louise. Hi. T- Hi. <laughs> I got red my face, just Scott. I'm like, oh, yes, kind of. You're like, I, I at least have pants on today. <laughs> I do have on pants, um, you know, only because it's a little chilly up here, actually. Um, I don't know why. Welcome to s- summer. It got, it got cold in the valley. All right. Anyway. Well, we're going to heat things up right now. Okay. Because today is all about adventurous souls. It's all about us being brave, maybe a bit fearless. So I want to start off by telling you about Bessie Coleman. Because in my opinion, she was definitely adventurous, braver than most, and she had to be downright fearless. And here's why. Bessie courageously flew in the face of race and gender discrimination, and she became the world's first black woman pilot. At the time, she was banned from attending flight schools in the U.S., so she said, that's not going to stop me. Hell, I'll learn French, I'll pack a bag, head over across the pond, where, and she attended um, flight school in France, um, which it was legal there. And that was in 1921. And she did that. She got her pilot's license two years before her very famous con- uh, contemporary, Amelia Earhart. Bessie went on to fly all over the United States. She performed aerial um, tricks. So she wasn't just a pilot. She did the tricks. And she lectured, um, all acro- again, all across the country to raise funds for an African-American flying school. And staying true to her convictions, she never once participated in a segregated event. And again, that was in 1921. So I don't know how we cannot applaud her spirit of audacity. What do you think, Gina? I mean, you ready I'm to like, go to flight li- school? I'm like literally like flo- floored right now, just between like the time and like in the, the era and thinking about what was going on in this country and her being able to do that. And I mean, honestly, I would have escaped to France too in 1921 or 1920s because uh, in 1919, prohibition hit and they can't have a cocktail. So how can you be a pilot <laughs> without a cocktail? So there you go. I would, I would leave too. Actually, I would have been there if I was a bartender then, because that's where all the bartenders went and opened, probably worked at Harry's, Harry Craddock's famous bar. So And give Bessie all the cocktails she needed, right? Yes, I like her. She's like a, she's like a good spirit. Absolutely. Uh, uh, all pun intended. Um, yes. So speaking of adventurous women who can teach us a thing or two, brings me to today's designated drinker. She's the author of Secret Washington, D.C., Guide to the Weird, Wonderful, and Obscure. She's Joanne Hill. Welcome to the show, Joanne. Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to coming on. So thanks oh, so much. Thanks for coming. We love having you. We love having you. I love Bessie Coleman, too. I used to teach third grade, and she was an individual I would teach about, and, and also about other women as well. But she's someone, of course, who just, it, I mean, such an inspiration and such a trailblazer and just- A badass. Crazy, right? yeah. badass. Like she, I mean, literally, that's the way to call her. She was yeah. a badass, right? Led by her own terms and by her own rules, which is and highly. Fortunately, she she passed when she was only thirty four too. She did all that at such a young age. All right. Yeah. So, speaking of the weird, I would love for you to please explain to our listeners how a trip to Egypt plays a role in the writing of your book on Washington D.C. Yes. So um, many years ago, my husband and I are huge travelers. We traveled to Egypt 
at this point, well over a decade ago. And while we were traveling, we met another couple from Galveston, Texas, and we hit it off with them immediately. And so, of course, we hung out with them. We kept in touch. And over the years, through social media and so forth, we kept in touch. And so I write a travel blog and a DC blog. And the wife, her name is Christine, she, um, she's followed my blog and so forth ever since. And so she reached, she reached out to me about two years ago and said, I'm writing a guidebook for Galveston. And I think that you should write a guidebook for DC. And so, of course, I'm floored and I'm like, I don't know how to write a book, right? So writing a blog and writing a book are very different things. I mean, of course, some things lend themselves to one another, but it's, it's certainly a much bigger undertaking to write a book. But you kind of talked about, you know, kind of going for it, taking advantage of, of opportunity and facing your fears. And so I said, well, I can figure it out, yeah. right? I can figure it out, figure out what to do. And so long story short, she put me in touch with her publisher, we spoke, um, I sent some writing samples, and before you know it, I have a contract to write this book, Secret Washington, D.C. So it definitely was kind of put in my lap, but I also am very, very, very happy that I seized the opportunity and took on something that was maybe a little scary, a little bit of out of my comfort zone, and, uh, and went for it. Well, that's yeah. that adventurous spirit, right? Like you just, it, like you said, it was just a little outside your comfort zone. It wasn't that you weren't able, obviously. But again, I think that I think we should all get out of our comfort zone from time to time and really push ourselves because I think one, we'd be surprised how much we can actually accomplish and keeps life interesting. You know, make sure the dust doesn't settle. That's exactly right. Exactly. So, um, oh, that's right by my house. Sorry, I'm looking at the book. And this house is right by my house. I uh, <laughs> just happened to open it up. Um, tell us some uh, some fun things about the book. So this book, I so I started it in fall of 2019. And of course, I, I wrote a good amount of it before the pandemic. And so that was great in the sense that I was, you know, I went on walking tours and I was able to really explore some places. But then when the pandemic hit, um, I had to kind of change and kind of shift a little bit to more places that I could get to and actually explore outside and so forth. And then I also knew that my readers could eventually explore as well. And so a lot of the places in my book, not all of them, but a lot of them are outside, kind of off the beaten path. And because they're outside, many of them are free. And it actually ended up being a really good shift because I think it made a lot of these places more accessible because they are outside and you can explore them. Um, Especially now, even as the city and the area is opening up, I think some people are still a little hesitant, right? Or are still looking for outdoor spaces. So um, it, it lends itself pretty well, I think. Um, I definitely have some favorites. A lot of the favorites are definitely a little bit more controversial and a little bit more scandalous. Um, so happy to share some stories. Absolutely. Like. Really it's feels- DC. It should be yeah. nothing but scandal, right? <laughs> okay. The scandals or the feel good or should we just kind of jump around? Uh, you tell us. We'd love to follow you. Let's do scandalous. It's always more fun. Let's talk a little bit about scandalous. So, um, talking about badass women. We'll talk about Marianne Hall. And so the Museum of the American Indian, which of course is on the National Mall, um, that is actually the site of a former brothel. And this former brothel was owned by this woman, this madam. Her name is Marianne Hall. She's actually buried in Congressional Cemetery. But what makes her brothel kind of stand out. So during the Civil War, brothels became really, really important and kind of really popular in D.C. A lot of men were coming in and out of the city soldiers, generals, and so forth. And of course, with men coming in, brothels kind of came 
you know, on the rise. And so the area around Federal Triangle became known as Hooker's Division. Yeah. So not only were there brothels there, but there were a lot of bars and so forth. So, you know, it's also kind of known as like, you know, this seedy little red light district. But of course, people kind of loved it. Right. And so she creates this brothel out of about 100 brothels or so. And it becomes one of the most successful and prosperous brothels in the entire city, um, which, of course, owned by a woman. That was a big deal. Right. I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. Um, but she also was in a, a socialite and she was very highly respected in society. She was known to treat her women really well and take care of them and provide them with health care and so forth. So she was a badass, but she also like she was an astute businesswoman who also though cared about her employees. Um, and so she's one of my favorite, but I don't think, you know, when we think about the American Indian Museum to know that it was actually a prosperous brothel at the time, you know, that's kind of something cool. to be said. About. Yeah. Um, not too far away from the American Indian Museum, of course, is the Supreme Court. But the Supreme Court was actually used to be a former prison. And so it was a prison that ended up, a lot of spies ended up being incarcerated and imprisoned there. And two notable spies there were female. And these spies were pretty much um, kind of they're badasses. I mean, they were for the Confederates. So, like, let's put that out there, right? Um, they were Confederate spies, but one spy, her name was Rose O'Neill. She was this big socialite and she was known to be very attractive and very beguiling. And so that she kind of used that to her advantage to get information, you know, as you do as a spy. And she and her daughter were imprisoned at the old Capitol prison for five months. But then when she was released, she was really paramount in a lot of operations. And, um, Jefferson Davis even sent her like to on international missions. But another spy there too, her name is Belle Boyd. And what she would do is that she would share, um, she would communicate with people outside of her cell. So like there'd be like a rubber ball and they would like throw it outside the window and then someone like on the street would grab it. And she would sew messages into the ball that was relaying intel. And so these like two badass women, of course, you know, on yeah. the Confederate side, but still badass nonetheless were pivotal. And I think a lot of people, when they think of spies, especially, you know, hundred years ago or so probably yep. think mostly of men and not so much as women. Right. Yeah. So those are two fun scandalous stories. That is fun. That is fun. So how do you find a lot of your research then? I'm sure a lot of this takes a lot of effort because things are just lost in time. Or two yeah. Time. Um, I know someone really well who is a tour guide and historian. And so the first thing I did was I, I emailed him and was like, can we have some, can we have coffee? And basically, and so he was this wealth of knowledge and just like, oh, you should write about this and you need to look into that and this story. And he just gave me like, I mean, dozens of stories. And I, a lot of those stories ended up making the book. So that was one way. Uh, I went on a lot of walking tours. I talked to tour guides who are the best people in the world. They will give you all the information. They want to share their knowledge with you. Uh, when I could go to museums, I would talk to, you know, docents and so forth. So Little by little, I also like when you research something, sometimes that leads to something else, right? Like you're on the internet, you know how the internet takes you down a rabbit hole, right? For better, for worse. Yep. Um, but some stories led to other stories, or I would literally just be like, I'm going to Google DC espionage and just like see what I could find and then find a story and then like go further and dive into that deeper. So yeah, so kind of like the evolution. Do you think the CIA is watching you now after you've done all that espionage research? There's <laughs> a very good possibility, by the way. <laughs> Gina, maybe maybe Joanne really is a spy. We just don't know it. I mean, you the know. best spies are the ones that are in plain sight, right? So, of course. 
I love all of these facts. I also love um, the cemeteries here in D.C. and in um, northern Virginia and and parts of Maryland because the people that are buried there, like, you know, you read about them in your your books and, you know, social studies and stuff, you don't even realize they're right there. And um, they tell all the stories of what Washington, D.C. was. And I... And the story of the whorehouse or that or that area um, happens to be one of my favorite because that whole area is where all the bars were. So they had like that, like our version of a red light district was because the canal went up Constitution Avenue because it was a swamp, right? So all the good bars were there. So like there's like a whole like obviously drinking and 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 you know sex workers went together, right? So. It yeah, wasn't it wasn't too far off for my career path for sure. So I would like to think that I would have been a madam for sure during that time. I would have been so good at this. Entertaining. Yeah. Not too late. Not too late. Not too late to <laughs> And a little well, you know what? It's about to become legal. So maybe, maybe that'll be my second, my second part of my career. There you go. Restaurant tour and madam. Sure. I just edited a bunch of things right out of my head. It's like bagels and what? <laughs> Joanne, I own bagel stores, so it's kind of funny that like I'm like, let's just be a madam. That's cool. So like it's like bagels in the morning, right? It's like yeah. breakfast and it's kind of like a bed and breakfast, but not and like sex and breakfast. Like, that should be the new thing. I mean, that's more exciting than a bed and breakfast, yeah. right? I mean, that's what we just changed the name to. to Business. You know what I'm you could you could pick where you get your schmear. I oh it's so good. I'm actually gonna make a cocktail called Sex and Breakfast and see how that goes. I love it. I love that so much. I'm gonna sell it. And maybe you can call it like the Marianne Hall or something. I don't know. I don't I know. show you my notes. I literally wrote have to make a cocktail for Marianne Hall. Literally wrote it. My Capitol Hill store is like a few um know how many blocks four blocks from there so yep. it kind of makes sense it's perfect it's perfect look at my ears perked up you started telling stories about prisons i'm like whatever whatever oh sex workers what what, what did you say <laughs> loved it <laughs> women of the night i live that i live they it are fan favorites. they're fan favorites i tend i share these stories for a reason because i know that they're like the, the juicy yeah. ones right you want the ones yeah well, can i ask you a personal yeah. question and we're on a podcast so everyone's gonna know it where are you from um, I'm from Pennsylvania, about a little over an hour north of Philadelphia, but like 20 minutes from the Jersey border. I'm kind of like sandwiched in between Philly and New York. So I probably have a little bit of like those accents. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. I just like, like when I'm listening to you talk, I'm like, this is amazing. Um, it's, it's all Do you, you guys watch the show Fear of East Town by any chance with Kate Winslet? I know what, I know what the show is. I've never watched it. It. It takes place right outside of Philadelphia. And it's interesting because it's like very like Pennsylvania, like very, like they do a good job with like the little terminology and the slang. And, the, and I'm like, oh, that's, I say that. And, you know, so it's one of those things you can just tell. There's a, a certain, certain thing. That I love goes that. With it. All right, Louise, go back to the real questions. I just want to know the real person. No, that's awesome. Um, you got to know the person behind the book. So if I were my first trip here in DC and I just really wanted to see something beyond what, you know, are in my history books, is there one place that you would send somebody? So, I, mm, is it like off the mall, you think? Anywhere. Oh, I don't the know. The best story. Anywhere. So, I think oh, it's so tricky, right? Because, like, my first inclination is to say, like, people come here mostly, especially out of towners, right? They want to go to the mall, and there's good reason to go to the mall. I think what's fun is that 
places on the mall that are in my book, like American Indian Museum or the Carousel, which I'll, I'll share a good story about that one. Um, they're great, but they also have these great stories that I think like your like your typical person may not know about. So that's what I really liked is that these places are iconic and they're visited and they're popular with everyone, but they have really rich histories behind them. Um, so the carousel, and it's not per se that I would say go to the carousel, but it's good to know stories about these places. Um, so the carousel came from an amusement park outside of Baltimore called Gwyn Oak. It was not always on the National Mall. It didn't even actually come to the mall until about the 80s. But um, on the day that MLK, Martin Luther King, gave his speech, I Have a Dream, in 1963, that day was the same day that that amusement park banned segregation. They discontinued segregation. And so it was the same day that an African-American child and two white children rode on the carousel at the same time. So like really kind of, you know, and of course, exemplifying King's message of, you know, integration and racial harmony. So years later, then it was transported to the mall, which is, of course, now it's home. And but when it was brought over, that story wasn't known. And now that carousel actually belongs to private citizens. It's not owned by the mall. It's not owned by the Park Service or anything like that. Um, and they have found that story, of course, since. And there's a little plaque commemorating that story. Um, and of course, it's also not too far from where King delivered his speech, right? And so I love that kind of like it came full circle. I love its proximity to the Lincoln Memorial where King, you know, delivered. It just, that's like one of the stories that I love. Um, so I think just knowing, you know, there's a, the National Gallery of Art in the mall is actually where President Garfield was assassinated uh, because it, Right. So the gallery of, there you go. So like these stories, the places that people go, but like people don't know about them, right? Like, why would you know these stories unless you are a tour guide or historian? Um, yeah, the gallery of art used to be a railroad station and Garfield, very, I'll keep it brief, but he, he was our 20th president and he was only president for four months, which, you know, oh, a very short amount. I didn't know that. So like, I didn't either. Right. And so, um, but the reason why is that this guy, Charles Gatteau, who was pretty much just deranged, he kind of became obsessed with Garfield and he, he campaigned for Garfield. And of course, Garfield won, but he wasn't very integral. He just was like someone who like kind of like stumped and campaigned like people do. But he was so delusional that he thought that he was kind of like the reason why Garfield won. Oh. So, of course, he then wanted something in return and tried to get a really big post in his administration. Garfield was dismissive and like didn't pay him any mind. And so he shot him. He was deranged and delusional and he, and he killed him. Well, he shot him. And then Garfield, of course, he didn't die the one site. He actually didn't die, I think, for like two months. Oh. Because... Medicine wasn't advanced, you yeah. know, doctors were using, they weren't sterilizing instruments. And so kind of, they almost caused the infection without sterilizing and so forth. Just they didn't know. Um, so he ended up dying and um, Gateau was found guilty and executed, of course. But like these kind of stories, these dark stories, or even these wonderful feel-good stories, I just don't think that your, you know, your average person, especially a visitor, might know, right? So I like those those kind of fun stories. Well, I'm glad I have your book now because I literally, when people come to visit, I'm, I, I've lived here long enough now that I think I've gone to all the museums. Not saying I, I love the museums and there's certain places I, I can't go to the Holocaust Museum again, but I think that now I can introduce people to different spaces and be like, this is so much cooler to see DC this way, especially on their second or third trip here to visit. So, I, yeah. But yeah. you, this isn't all you have going on. You have some more books in the works, right? 
Yeah. Um, a little while ago, my publisher reached out um, asking me to write a scavenger hunt book throughout the city. And so that's one project. And I just started it. It's basically taking people on a walking scavenger hunt throughout like 17 different neighborhoods. I think we'll go into Old Town and stuff like that, too. Um, and so I'm writing riddles. So it's very different than writing like an entry. But it's been actually really fun. I'm like, what word rhymes with? I mean, it's like one of these, like, my husband keeps saying, riddle me this. And it's like constantly like, I'm like speaking in like poetic lines. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, and then after that book, I signed a contract as well to write a book about um, eats and eateries and restaurants, unique eats and eateries throughout the city. So I'm sure I will ask, I will have some questions for you all about drinks. And I think, you know, we have someone who specializes in that and food and restaurant tours and and you know females in the space so um don't be surprised if you have a feature in my book um, <laughs> i would love that <laughs> we have a um there's a women restaurant tours uh group in dc of all the women chefs that own restaurants or women that own restaurants so please yes yeah i can yeah i'll introduce you that she's um it's pretty amazing that's it's the entire bible of women owners that's incredible. You'd be surprised how many restaurants are owned by women and yet um, nobody knows. You know, they're always like, oh, I thought the chef don't. Well, no, no, it's a woman. It's cool. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I love a scavenger hunt too. I think that's amazing. It'll be, it's, it's, I'm already having so much fun and I literally am very in the beginning stages. So it's going to be, it's going to be a fun book. So I sure. think I, I have an idea for you. You throw a little cocktail party. Yeah. You know, Bert, invite some of your new girlfriends over and we can start help writing the riddles. <laughs> oh, I am more than here for it. I am more than here for it. Say the, say the word and done. Yeah. It, it takes a village. <laughs> I, yeah, I love that. I love that idea too. Yeah. Let's make a drink while we're talking about this. Okay. Let's make a drink. Let's do it. Great. So we're going to do something. So a little birdie told me that you are a fan of tequila, mezcal and all those things. And I like things that are um, and spicy. So one of my favorite hacks ever to make an amazing um, Moscow mule or a mule drink in general, and a, and a mule means that you're putting ginger beer in the drink, is to add a little bit of jalapeno to it, but we do it in a little bit of a different way. So I am going to, I, I recommend that you make this cocktail if you have it in some sort of metal cup or a cup or mug. I am gonna make this drink in a clear glass right now just to kind of show you how to build a cocktail, okay? Perfect, Louise. All right, so when you're gonna make uh, a mule, I like to start off with taking um, my lime juice. And it says in here, half a lime. I wanted to show you that sometimes your limes are really, really tiny, so you might have to put in a whole lime, but what you're looking for in general is about an ounce of juice. So my lime right now is not enough, so I'm gonna actually put my whole lime in for one ounce. And I'm gonna put it in the bottom. Um, so we're gonna leave this in there and then you're gonna take, and this is important when you're making a spicy cocktail with jalapenos, you're gonna cut your jalapeno and don't rub your eyes after you cut your jalapeno. <laughs> and depending on how hot you like it, that's, that's, a, that's a little helpful tip, trust me. Depending on how hot you like it, and this one is really hot, I can smell, I can smell as soon as I just cut it. Um, you're gonna take it, you're gonna put it in the lime juice directly, okay? Yep. So, because we're using tequila, and I did not put this in the notes, and I apologize, because we're using tequila, it might be really nice to take a little bit of um, like a nice flake salt. And what I mean by flake salt, I mean like literally a flake salt, and it almost looks like snow. 
So if you see it in my hand, it looks like snow. And you're going to put like maybe like three or four uh, flakes of it in there or, um, you know, something something like that. Uh, this one is an Icelandic birch smoked salt. Do I think that everybody has that at home? Nope. But do I think that you have kosher salt at home? You do? Awesome. You're going to take about three or four flakes, put it in the bottom of your glass, and you're just going to stir it around because you're going to see that it's going to just um, dissolve. Now, you're having your guests over your house. You want to make this for the summertime. You want to have this all ready for everybody. Make the lime juice ahead of time. Put all of the um, jalapenos in there, and then your guests can just take an ounce of the... Um, lime juice and make it. So if you're just making one, do it for yourself. But if you want to make a pitcher, the one thing you cannot do is put whole limes in a pitcher of drink because by the end, that drink will be so hot, no one can drink it. <laughs> so, cause it keeps releasing heat. It's just a little user, it's a little friendly user advice. So I'm going to use um, Tremana Reposado tequila. Uh, Tremana is a new tequila. It's actually really, really good. Um, Dwayne Johnson owns it, The Rock, which is kind of amazing. But it's honestly really, 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 really lovely. Um, and, I've, and if you can tell, the bottle's almost empty. I've been imbibing it. All right, so two ounces in there. Now, we have that all those things in there. Next thing to do is you're going to fill your glass all the way with crushed ice. Um, all the way to the top. And you're like, you know, almost overflowing. So you're almost like cupping the top of your drink. And if you're doing this in um, a metal cup and everything, you do not have to decorate it. If you are not doing it in a metal cup and you have a glass, and I can't see, what 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 do you have, Joanne? I have a, a glass or a metal cup. Oh, you're good. Yeah. So you'll just put your um, your lime across the top. If you're doing this at home and you're out of a, a glass, you could always push this down in there so you could see it Hi. in the glass. And now we're going to open up our ginger beer. And I'm using Q ginger beer. I really like the carbonation in this. Uh, for me, it's not always about uh, the flavor. It's about how much bubbles things have. So we're going to pour it in. And you're going to see that all of the work is being done for you. And it's one, one thing when, you, when you're making a cocktail or demonstrating it, to see it in real time about like what it's doing. So you can see that everything's kind of like trapped at the bottom. So at this point, you can take a spoon or a stirrer or a stick or whatever, a straw, whatever you a want. stick. And you're just going to kind of poke it. <laughs> well, I'm, use, I'm actually using a, a skewer. <laughs> and you're going to just move around the bottom just a little bit. Because what you don't want to do is somebody to push a straw in there and take a sip of just the bottom of the tequila. Because you're literally, your eyes are going to fall out of your head. All right. That being said, if you're putting, if you're going to do your um, garnish on top of your drink, uh, my new favorite thing to do is do three skinny slices of lime in like a succession and then put it on the top like so. So this one's a little over decorated because I showed you two different ways of doing it. However, I really love the way this looks these days because it's like super pretty and you have kind of have like a little look to it. It looks just inviting and refreshing when you do that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You just get, and, and then if you really... You know, having a party and you're feeling like I want to do this for my guests, you could always have a skewer ready and have it on there and stick everything together and just make it so that it's like an umbrella on there. So you do something like that too. Oh, that's cute. But for right now, I'm gonna just gonna do this. So yeah, I love a I love a garnished cocktail. I'll be honest, with you know, like it's just like putting on jewelry. Why are you gonna wear the outfit if you're not gonna put in a pair of earrings? You know, whatever. Sure. So. So cheers, ladies. Cheers. 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 
Oh, that's good. That's delicious. It's like the perfect amount of heat, right? Without it being overpowering. And then the lime makes it a little, you know, crisp and fresh and just, it's, it's did, did anybody put the salt in or is it just, I, I'm the only one? I did salt. I put salt. However, yeah. I was, I have Himalayan like pink salt just because that was what- That's fine. Was the closest. Um, Perfect. The next time you think I should do kosher, right? That would be a little bit- better. It's a little easier to control, but if you have Himalayan like flaked salt, you're fine. Anything's in a flake. Flaky, okay. You don't want to use- and I can't stress this enough to people to please don't use fine sea salt in your cocktails because you're getting too much salt because it's powdery. Don't use iodized either. It's too, it's too fine, too, it's too much sodium yep. and you're just not, it doesn't do anything for the drink. You need something that's like flaky or kosher and like the way that they grind it is what really what you're looking for. Okay. So whatever, um, something fun also is putting in uh, black sea salt from like Hawaii and what I love about using that is, is that you could always see the little rocks and it's like very cool, especially if you're using like, you know, pink lemons because you can, you know, in the, in the summertime. And um, then you have these little black rocks on the bottom. So very nice couple of different ideas to spritz up your summer. That's adding a little aloha to your uh, mezcal oh, or your tequila. Oh, it is. Exactly. Oh, this is delicious. <laughs> It's like putting a little aloha in your day. Exactly. <laughs> it's a little. You never have too much aloha in your day. Exactly. It's it's like me, Gina, in a glass. A little tequila, a little spice, a little aloha. See? It's me. Perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm, I'm missing my calling. I think I belong in Hawaii. I, have, I think that's right. That's to go next. We've been. I just have to learn how to say it correctly, right? In Hawaii, owning a brothel or a sex and breakfast. Sex and breakfast. Yeah. Okay. I in mean, literally. Sex, yeah. speech, and breakfast. <laughs> I just, I feel like. <laughs> Aloha. I feel like we, I know, I feel like we definitely. Those trip advisor reviews, they'd be the most amazing reviews to read, right? We put a little aloha in your day. <laughs> there you go. Now we got the whole, the whole thing's coming along. The whole thing. You can see the, you can literally see the t-shirt. <laughs> Oh my God. Like people are going to listen to this and go, Gina, um, do you think that's politically correct what you're saying? <laughs> I'm like, well, do you know anybody that doesn't have sex in some form or fashion? I, I don't know. Everyone has sex. What are you going to do? <laughs> anyway. On that note, Gina, tell everybody where they're going to go get these, uh, how to make this cocktail. So you're going to go to designateddrinkers.show um, for the tips and tricks and how to's. And um, you can also drop me a suggestions for our new sex and breakfast concept <laughs> at designateddrinker.show. <laughs> I'm probably going to be fired today. <laughs> the other thing you're going to have at that at designateddrinker.show is we're going to make sure we have links to Joanne's books so you can, or her book, so that you can be ready when her new book comes out. Um, and so that'll be there. And it'll also be in our show notes. So on your smartphone, you just scroll up and there it'll be. You'll, you won't even have to leave your phone. You'll be able to get to Joanne that fast. Love it. Or at least her book anyway. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of sex talk here today. What's going on, guys? A lot of sex talk here. And again, I'm here for it, though. I'm here for there it. There you go. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to have that dinner party to find out, get all the riddles going. I know. I can't. Wait, we water riddles are right together. There we go. All right, Gina, riddle me this. All right, we have one last question. This is how we always know if you listen to the show or not. So, um, 
in this day and age, everybody identifies themselves with something and you might identify yourself with like a white-tailed deer because you're prancing through life and, and, and you're getting away with everything, you know, because it's not hunting season, right? And if you can identify yourself with a spirit ingredient, whether it's for cocktail or for food, what would that ingredient be and why does it describe you? Oh, that's a great question. So I want to say, especially to go with the drink, a jalapeno, um, because it's, there's a little, there's spiciness, there's a little bit of heat, but you can adjust it accordingly based on what you need, right? You can keep the seeds in it. You want a little extra hotness and a little, you can remove them. Um, it can yep. be added to so many different things, right? Foods and drinks. It's, it's flexible. It's versatile. Um, and, but it's also not for everyone. It's, there are people who love it, but there are people who are just like, mm, not my thing. So I think that kind of, I mean, I think that kind of encapsulates me pretty well. I love well. it. So I'm going to go with a jalapeno. I love that. I feel like I should say X gets the square. I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. That was the best description of why in a very long time. It's good. Wow. It's good. And I think it's the first jalapeno pepper we've had. I think, I think so. I think you're right. I had a lot of good inspiration, so. Joanne, yeah. you're an inspiration. I'm so happy to have met you. Absolutely. I am too. This was so wonderful. I loved being on. I hope to be on again. And I can't wait for our riddles and our cocktail parties and our dinner parties and just all the things. I think be. our cocktail party Absolutely. should be an episode. <laughs> it's definitely the X-rated one. Awesome. <laughs> also, I'm into that. So cheers to that, ladies. Cheers, ladies. Cheers. Cheers. The Designated Drinker Show is produced by Missing Link, a podcast media company that is dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is Roger That, a podcast dedicated to guiding you through the haze of dementia, led by skilled caregivers Bobby and Mike Carducci. Now, if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy the theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and everything in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows. Your review helps our shows reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.